Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. This is Fantasy Squad. We are ready to talk some fantasy football this morning. Guys, how are we doing today? Absolutely fantastic, TJ. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Tyler? I'm good. I'm ready to talk some football. Oh, great. John, how are you doing? I didn't hear you there. It's early, but I'm ready to go. It's early. Yeah, it is very early. We had to do this one a little earlier this morning. Well, fellas, let's jump right into it. Conversation piece first is the Browns' backfield. It's crowded. It's a little rough back there. Um, there's a pretty clear starter in Nick Chubb. Yeah, let me, let me start it off. Nick yeah. Chubb, I really don't think there's any argument. I really, I really don't like talking about the Browns because Nick Chubb, he went and he was a starter for half the year last year. He rushed for almost 1,000 yards. He had a 5.2-yard average. Kareem Hunt, I don't even know why he's in the conversation to be picked up in a draft right now. He's not coming in until week 10. There's no point in drafting this guy. He's only got an eight-week suspension. Yeah, and the Browns have a nine-week bye. So he's going to be in in week 10. He's going to be in in week nine, and the, the bye week's going to give him a chance to really play. Look, the real issue is Nick Chubb, he's a quality starter. He's a great running back. And for, for eight weeks, he's going to be the number one running back. The problem is after week eight is around the playoff time for everyone in the fantasy league, and right then, we have Kareem Hunt coming into the picture. Okay, okay. But just before we get to Jacob's weird face that he's making, uh, yeah, you're in the playoffs. If you draft Kareem Hunt, you aren't in the playoffs. Are you high? No, no. What, what? No one's drafting Kareem Hunt. They're drafting Nick Chubb. What, what, look, here's, here's the real thing, okay? Nick Chubb is a top 20 back in, in most ADP drafts. He's the number 20 player overall top 20 he's probably a top 10 running back and if you're going to draft Nick Chubb I'm still taking him at that 20 overall pick Kareem Hunt look there's no need to handcuff Kareem Hunt the only real issue is at the end of the year you're going to have a split backfield I think it's going to be a 60-40 split between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb you can't look at Kareem Hunt and say you know he's only on a one-year deal but you can't look at him and say oh he's not going to play when he comes back, of course he's going to play. The guy had stats out the galoo, man. He's, he's phenomenal. Of course he's going to show up and play at the end of the year. The real question is, is Nick Chubb or how much is Nick Chubb going to lose when he comes back? You want to go? Yeah, sure, I'll go. Okay. Mainly because, well, I want to get to Tyler's thing, and I'm so happy he didn't mention Duke Johnson. I'm so happy you didn't mention Duke Johnson because I know you love him. Not yet, Jacob. Not yet. He's coming. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> well, Tyler, you are absolutely insane if you think Nick Chubb is going to be the only starter over there when Kareem Hunt comes back. He was the 2017 rushing leader. 2017 rushing leader. You think that guy's not going to play? If anything, he's going to take over more snaps than Nick Chubb, I think. And they're going to ease him in slowly, of course, like any team should. But, I mean, yes, it might happen after fantasy playoffs matter. But, I mean, if he gets re-signed by the Browns next year, it's absolutely going to be a 50-50 split running by well, committee. Backfield. Well, I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split. I think we're looking but, more like a 60-40 split. So very well could be, but like I said, if you think he's not going to play overall, you are absolutely out of your mind. Okay, so I want to I want to get in on this a little bit. Um, real, it, 
if we're talking fantasy football, Cream Hunt is undraftable anywhere you have a four or five bench. Correct. If if you're in a main league where you only have four or five bench players, he you can't be drafted. Are you guys playing footsie? Is that <laughs> oh he keeps touching my leg mainly because Jacob is keeps hitting the table during the conversation. Yeah, I know. Yes, I know. I I noticed that, and that so, went yeah, before the podcast. We had we had one rule, and the rule was do not hit the table. <laughs> and yet you continue to hit the table. I I, I understand. That will be my first and last time. But so, look, the real question is: we don't need to talk to Johnson right now because he it's a clear Nick Chubb number one starter. When Kareem comes back, there is a pretty heavy split. Maybe it's 50-50, maybe it's 60-40, but it's a pretty even split. And at that point, is Nick Chubb value worth it at the end of the season? Nick Chubb's value is definitely worth it. He's going 20 overall. I'm going to take him there. The only the thing we're talking about, the whole Browns backfield. So I did want to talk about Kareem Hunt. And Jacob, I'm not saying that Kareem Hunt isn't going to be a beast. I'm just saying when it comes to drafting Kareem Hunt, it's not worth it. You can make your team so much better. He's going in the eighth round. He's 96 overall. You can make your team so much better than grabbing a Kareem Hunt and hoping that you're going to be in the fantasy football playoffs. Well, I agree with that. But but the question is, is is Nick Chubb's value affected by the fact that Kareem Hunt's coming back not, in week eight? Not at all. Not at well, all. Absolutely. I, uh, well, you can get to that point in a second. Uh, Nick Chubb does not catch the ball as much as you would think. Duke Johnson is a pass catcher in the backfield. And when Kareem Hunt comes back, he's going to take Duke Johnson's job. He might have a couple more rushes than Duke Johnson, but he's taking the pass-catching work. He's not, he's not taking anything away from, Kareem, or from Nick Chubb, I don't think. Well, uh, John, you wanted to add a point there? Well, yeah, about Kareem Hunt in the passing game was the main point I wanted to add, where it's, which is where Kareem Hunt made a big mark in Kansas City. When, he was, when we last saw him uh, last year when he – had 11 games he played before he got suspended. He averaged 14 and a half yards per catch, which is four more yards than any other running back per catch. He's a big play machine in the passing game. And I think he takes a lot of points in the passing game once he gets back. Yeah, I mean, Kareem Hunt is, is well known for us. And Nick Chubb is not known very well for catching the ball. But I still think, you know, the real question is Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt are going to have a pretty heavy split towards the end of the year. And I still think that there's a bit of a question mark when it comes to Nick Chubb. If I'm drafting, I'm drafting Nick Chubb at that 20 spot. Maybe maybe I take someone a little before him, but I'm drafting him pretty much where he goes at that 20 spot towards the middle of the second round or the end of the second round. Uh, I think I'm going to make that trade. Yeah, if I'm if I'm picking in the later half of the second round and Nick Chubb's there, he's a good pick. Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna take him as your second running back, and there's some number one wide receivers still there, that would give me pause. But if you, if you uh, if you have a situation where you need a running back, I would not hesitate with Nick Chubb. I think he will have an absolutely running back one quality first eight games, and I think that's worth it. Oh, absolutely. Now I do disagree with all of you. Oh. With- with the cream hunt, oh, that's draft, interesting. That, I know, shock, shocking. I know. To me, I would definitely pick cream hunt. Say, if you're drafting twelve rounds, just twelve rounds. Imagine if he's still there with the in the eleventh round. You know where you just, you just get like your third quarterback or whatnot. Why not take a chance on him? Well, if 
Why would you look a lot of, a lot of leagues have a limit on how many players you can have sitting on the bench. And for Kareem Hunt, who's only going to be there for what a few games, like half the season, it, it's, or, is it really worth it? Well, well it's, it'll be uh fantasy playoffs happen week 13 or 12. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be it's only going to be the last, it's going to be the last part of the season. It's really not, I don't see why you would draft Kareem Hunt. Yeah, mainly it, depth, mainly depth, just for well, the case. You know, you guys yeah, but but, but you got to understand, if you're drafting for depth, Kareem Hunt is a no-go for nine full weeks. He's nothing. He's, yeah. He's, he's a total waste of space on your bench. On these, on these type of leagues, Philip Lindsay's going to be a guy that a lot of people have on their bench that goes later. Chris Carson's going to be a guy that people have on their bench that goes later. I Taking Lamar Miller – at this point is more valuable than taking Kareem Hunt. I mean, you can grab Cohen, you can grab James White. All these guys are more valuable than Kareem Hunt this year. Yeah, Kareem Hunt's going in the eighth round, Jacob. Uh, he's not making it to you in the 11th. So the question is, would you really draft him in the eighth round? He's going 96 overall. That's about the eighth round, eighth, ninth round. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm drafting, I'm leaving Kareem Hunt alone. Now, I, I don't know if I'm – it's it's kind of hard to see because um, it is week eight, so you will have him for some 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 of the season. So it is because he is a good running back. The I don't know. The real question is just I don't. The I think me is going to be too major towards the end of the season. I think the real question is when Cream Hunt gets back. I think everybody wants to know how many carries is Nick Chubb going to get because everybody knows he's not really involved in the passing game. Well, anyway, is he still going to get nineteen a game? Yeah, I th- I'm thinking it's going to be it's going to be like a a 60 40 split on the playing time. So he's going to be reduced in his running. Um, I think they're I think with the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. they're going to really open up the the passing game. Duke Johnson, I did want to just touch on Duke Johnson. I don't think he's going to be uh, at least at the beginning of the season. My real thing with Duke Johnson, and I love thinking about it, is he is a trade asset right now. He wants out of Cleveland. Cleveland says they have a role for him. I believe they have a role for him until Kareem Hunt gets back. I'm really looking forward to seeing if they move Duke Johnson to someone like a Tampa Bay or even if Melvin Gordon doesn't sign the deal, the Chargers. I would love to see Duke Johnson somewhere else where he is utilized to his full potential. Uh, when he was a starting running back for Cleveland, he was a great pass catcher. He had over 500 yards for all five of his seasons except for this last season when they got Nick Chubb. Okay. He is a good receiving running back. There was the rumor that the Eagles were going to trade for him before they traded for Jordan Howard. So he is he is sought after, and it would be interesting. He's not bad at all. It's just when you got guys like Duke Johnson, not Duke Johnson. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Thank you. My, my brain stopped there for a little bit. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, who cares? Yeah, I mean, Nick, look, Duke Johnson in this year's fantasy is – is is a wash for me. There's no need to even look at him on the team. Yeah, yeah, Although he's irrelevant. He, he's got talent, but uh, in this year's draft, I'm not even touching on him. Well, fellas, I want to move on to my favorite part of this today is the 49ers backfield. The reason it's my favorite part is because I know Tyler, who's sitting next to me, is going to have some interesting things to say <laughs> about uh, Matt Breida. Um, but, yeah, so, look, we got, we got Tevin Coleman. We got Jarek McKinnon, we got Matt Breida, we got a few other guys, we got Kyle uh, Juzetek, the fullback. So I mean, it's going to be a real tough backfield, and from all accounts, it's it's very hazy on who's actually going to play. 
I mean, there's a pretty clear one and two. I'm sure we'll agree or disagree about that, but there's a pretty clear one and two. But, you know, with Jarek McKinnon, with injury prones, I mean, the fact that Tevin Coleman is there with his, with his old uh, running back coach from Atlanta, Kyle Shanahan, I think there's a lot of things that we could talk about about that whole situation. Well, I'll go ahead and piss Tyler off, I guess. Just <laughs> All right. So Tevin Coleman came in from Atlanta. Uh, Jarrett McKinnon was their high ideal signing last year. But when McKinnon went down, Breida became the full-time starter. He did well. He had 153 carries for 814 yards, um, all while nursing a little bit of an ankle injury. But he is not going to start. It's going to be Tevin Coleman, mm-hmm. who is the main starter. Tevin Coleman uh, had career highs in everything from rushes, yards, yards per carry, yards per game, longest run, receiving targets, receptions, yards, receiving touchdowns, and total scrimmage yards. All career highs for him last year as the full-time starter in Atlanta when uh, Devontae Freeman went down. He's going to come over, and he's going to be the main guy. There will be a split in San Francisco because that's how they work, and Yes. In my mind, all of these guys are later round bench guys. But if you did need a later round bench guy, Tevin Coleman is the main one I'm looking at in San Francisco. Okay, since we're talking about Tevin Coleman, uh, he is one of my least favorite running backs in the San Francisco 49ers backfield. Let me, let me just give you a little reason why. Number one, he has never rushed for 1,000 yards. He never has- any of the other ones. He has only caught – he has only uh, had over 300 receiving yards once in his career, and he has never averaged over five yards or even five yards per carry. He yeah. is not a good running back. He's hurt all the time, just like Jared McKinnon, just like Matt Breida, which we will get to in a minute. But Tevin Coleman, he's not the type of back that can sustain – this heavy workload. If anyone, that'll be Jarrett McKinnon will be the Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman will be his old average self. Yeah, but that's the point. Highest ever uh, rushing attempts total is less than Tevin Coleman's last year. Look, look, that's the real point is they've got too many guys out there. Look, I think it's pretty clear to most people. Tevin Coleman is the starter and Jarrett McKinnon is, is a heavy, heavy split perhaps even a 50-50 split. I think that's how Kyle Shanahan's wanting to run it is, is running back by committee. So they're going to trickle uh, Matt Breida in there, and uh, they're gonna, they're gonna, it's going to be a rough draft. So if I'm drafting these guys, they're off my board completely. I mean, if I'm in the late, late rounds and I want to get an extra guy, I'll take a Tevin Coleman, maybe a Jarek McKinnon. I probably won't take Matt Breida just because I don't foresee him doing much in this year's offense, especially with – they brought in Tevin Coleman, especially with Jared McKinnon there. I don't see him doing much in this offense. Jacob, what, what's go, what do you think about that backfield? I, I've, I actually have a prediction with, with this as well. Oh, they've, got three, they've got three quality running backs. They don't have any true number one starter. They don't have one. They've got three similar running backs over there right now. Well, Jared McKinnon doesn't have any more guaranteed money left. I think he's the odd man out. I think he's either going to become a trade asset because you can't give the ball to everybody in, in this offense. You just can't give the ball to everybody. That is so, a good point. So he's, he, he has no more guaranteed money left, so he got nothing to lose, nothing to lose with him. Well, that is, that is team-friendly if they were to trade him, and McKinnon did work out his last year in Minnesota, as we saw. That's why the 49ers spent so much money on him. So, so yes, so, I mean, I think, I think he's more of a trade asset than anything over there. 
at the moment. That that'd be interesting to see if he did go. My my only uh my concern when drafting these guys, which is I guess what we're really talking about, is none of these guys you would draft until you're bench players anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where do you, where do you draft them? I'm my first two bench players. I'm not touching these guys. Okay. After you've made your picks and you your first two bench players, you can get higher quality picks than. Tevin Coleman or Jarrett McKinnon, I think I'm, I'm, I'm probably picking them round seven to I nine mean, past Chris Carson. I mean, possibly past even the Miami running back. If you're really high on him, I, I think round seven would be the absolute earliest you would go after him. And I mean, that's a not, stretch. not one of these guys is going to put, put up major numbers. I mean, at best, I think at best Matt with Matt Breida, and this also goes for Tevin Coleman. 800 yards and, like, five touchdowns rushing is the ceiling for both guys. It's going to be a committee between those two guys, mainly, splitting carries. Neither one can take the full workload. So it's going to be both guys. I think you're going to see decent numbers from both guys, but nothing stellar over there. Yeah, and like you guys were saying, no one really wants to dive into this 49ers backfield. Uh, But if you have to pick a guy – I think Matt Breed is the best option. So just to go over a little bit, Tevin Coleman's going in the fifth round. Jarrett McKinnon's going in the eighth round. Matt Breida is going in the 12th round. So if you got to take a chance on a guy, that's towards some of the last picks in the draft is Matt Breida. And the reason I like Matt Breida so much is he had 153 carries for 814 yards. That's just as productive, actually more productive than when Tevin Coleman had 150 plus carries. Uh, Matt Breida averaged 5.3 yards per carry. He had 1,000 yards from scrimmage, and he didn't even play all the games. He wasn't a full-time starter. And Matt Breida, this guy's out here playing with a broken leg like Greg Jennings. <laughs> he, he has a torn pectoral muscle right now, and Jared McKinnon's still hurt. Tevin Coleman's the only one healthy in training camp. Yeah. I, I think Matt Breida, since he was an undrafted free agent, he, he feels like he has something to prove. And I feel like last year he proved it playing through all the injuries, and I think – Shanahan is going to give him a shot because he has such a talent and he's so determined to be on the field and beat out these other two guys. Look, I like Matt Breida. I like his story. Came from a small school, but the fact is the guy is under 200 pounds and he was not nearly elusive enough. And so for a running back who's under 200 pounds, you have to be elusive. And with the backfield that is full of speed with Kevin Coleman and Jeremy McKinnon, um, it's, it's going to be tough. And as Jacob alluded to, they have four running back. They have four backs on their roster right now. It's hard to foresee them going into the season with those four running backs because Moiser, he's going to be the special teams. And then in the fullback, Kyle is going to be the fullback. So they've only got really – they could go into the season with that many on the roster. But I really do see what Jacob's saying where with the injury, especially with Preda and with McKinnon, I could easily foresee them dropping one of those guys, either in a trade or – in some way getting rid of him. So I could easily see that. So we may be talking about one of these guys that's not going to actually be there next year. I mean, one thing is pretty much for sure, Tevin Coleman is going to be on the team next year. And with his previous history at a, at a good, good team with Atlanta, I think he's the pretty clear starter. I just don't think with those other guys there that he's necessarily worth the pick um, in the eighth round or whatever pick you decide to take him at. Um, I think if you're going to go for a 49ers running back and we still have in the draft still Derek McKinnon, Matt Breida, and Tevin Coleman, I think if I'm going to draft anyone, I'm going to draft Jarrett McKinnon. 
and that's going to be towards the end. Um, just because if I'm going to take a chance on a 50-50 guy, I'd rather take a chance later in the round. And I think Jared McKinnon is, is definitely talented enough. If he's, if he's able to play, he's definitely talented enough to get you comparable numbers to what Tevin Coleman would get. Absolutely. He's talented. He's just getting paid the most. That's why I think he's the odd man out. Just a little bit of cap space savings there. But that's my take on the 49ers backfield. I like, I like all of your takes as well so I, yeah I think I think you're gonna take a chance on someone I like what you said about Jared McKinnon if he falls past where he's projected in the eighth round that's kind of what I'm thinking if Tevin Coleman falls what'd you say Tyler the fifth round Is that yeah right? fifth round okay if he falls to seven the seventh round would be my sweet spot for Tevin Coleman yeah I mean you can definitely wait on the 49ers it's not it's definitely not your RB1 and it's definitely not your RB2 if, if one of those guys is your RB2 then you're gonna have some real trouble this year but uh, if you if you got to get a couple guys to to have a backup during a bye week, I, yeah, I would go for one of those guys. I would definitely take a chance on one of them, see, and, and and just kind of see where they fall. Well, speaking of a real RB one, what do you guys think uh, David Johnson's going to do this year? Uh, David Johnson. Well, that's an interesting one. You know, the great yeah. thing about the great thing about the Cardinals is um, nothing really. So for me. I'm looking at the Cardinals, and I'm thinking to myself, last year they drafted a pretty rough quarterback in Josh Rosen. And one of the things that has been noticed in the fantasy football world is that David Johnson has not completely fallen off the map, but he's he's was on a pretty deep slide. Now, the great thing about David Johnson is – don't roll your eyes. It's, it's a good point. Let me finish. No, 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 no. I'm agreeing with you. Sorry, sorry. The great thing about David Johnson is last year he had 50 receptions. Now, that's nothing compared to, like, Christian McCaffrey, who had 107, but that is a great reception total, especially on a team that is probably not going to be as good as it is this Still year. Still figuring itself out. Yeah. And so the, the only trouble I see with David Johnson, because everyone, everyone's got him projected in the top five. They've got him at that number five, number six spot, um, just because that's how it works in, in drafting. His running backs go high. Um, and for some reason, he's launched way up at the top. And, and I think the main reason is because of the addition of Kyler Murray, obviously, and because I'm assuming people are assuming that Cliff Kingsbury's statistical success in college is going to translate to the NFL. I'm skeptical of that. I'm very skeptical of that. I'm very skeptical. The record in college is going to translate to the NFL. You You think think so? Texas Tech, and they never won. So that's exactly what I'm saying. I think the the attempts and the the types of plays that are run will – we will see in the season whether or not it's successful is completely, completely a separate issue. Now, David Johnson is a talented running back. And fantasy football-wise – if I'm drafting in the top five, I would very hard think about drafting him at, at that five spot. I mean, I would definitely think about it for a good amount of time and see, because I'm, I'm kind of torn on David Johnson just from looking at um, his stats over the last few years. He still has decent stat numbers, stat lines. So, I mean, he's still a decent running back who, who has shown real talent in the past. And I just, I just wonder if the addition of Kyler Murray – and Cliff Kingsbury is going gonna, is gonna to change his trajectory. Yeah, I have David Johnson as my pick number nine right now. I have 
either Melvin Gordon or DeAndre Hopkins, whatever your preference is, at the fifth pick behind the four top running backs. And then I have Tyreek Hill, who we'll get to a little later because of the new suspension news before David Johnson. And I also have probably Michael Thomas ahead of him on most drafts. So I have him in the nine spot for my average. I think David Johnson's real real issues last year were mainly play calling, which have been well diagnosed. Yeah. The offensive line, quarterback play, the entire offense was – it was really bad. That's why they had the first overall pick. His breakout year back in 2000, I think, 16, when Carson Palmer was still the quarterback – he had his career high in catches, yards, everything. Last year, he only had 50 catches, which was one of his lowest totals while playing 16 games. His lowest production in receiving yards also while playing a full 16 games. And he only averaged 3.6 yards a carry, which if we all have seen David Johnson run, that tells me the offensive line is the problem, not David Johnson. And I agree but, with that statement. But what did they really do to fix the offensive line? Nothing. Nothing. The, the offensive line is still a mediocre offensive line. Now, so. will Kyler Murray provide a boost? Maybe. I mean, I think Cliff Kingsbury getting the Arizona job is a joke. We don't have to spend a lot of time about that. I think that's the worst hire I've seen in a long time. Um, Cliff Kingsbury never won in college, and he's not going to win in the NFL either. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't particularly think Cliff Kingsbury is going to add any any amount of success to that team, an already trash team. I do think, however, that Kyler Murray will have an effect on David Johnson. It may only be slight, but I do think he will have an effect. Look, they can't get any worse than they were last year at the quarterback position. So at very least, they're going to remain the same. And if they remain the same, David Johnson wasn't a terrible, terrible running back. He wasn't the best. He finished 10th with that Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, the guy, look, he had 50 catches last year. I mean, that's a pretty phenomenal um, statistic because in this, in this league we are in today, running backs are expected to catch the ball. And especially for fantasy, any running back that can catch the ball, get touches in any way possible, that's who you want on your team. Now, yeah, John, John said he was running back 10. Uh, he's running back 10 in the PPR standings. Now he's going, uh, his ADP is 107. So TJ wanted to take him there at the five. That's great. He's going at seven. So you're getting a great deal in your end, in your mind. But my, my only problem is, so we have Cliff Kingsbury, right? I, I love Cliff Kingsbury for fantasy for wide receivers and quarterbacks. Not at all for running backs. At Texas Tech, you know who the guy who caught the most balls as a running back was? DeAndre Washington. The most he caught in a season was 30. And guess how many passes Kyler Murray threw to running backs? 27. And 12 of them were to Trey Sermon, who's coming up in this next year's draft, who's a pretty good running back. And he only threw it to him 12 times. He only threw 27 passes to running backs. I don't think Kyler Murray's going to help David Johnson in the past game. And I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going to help Kyler Murray well, in the, or David Johnson in the past game. I think there's a big difference between <clears throat> college football and the NFL. <clears throat> in college football, you can have guys get open, get past guys. In the NFL, you're looking at the top talent at that defensive back position. So you can't really go over the top on every play. 
You can certainly try. Oh, and Cliff Kingsbury will try. Oh, no, that, he'll try. That, that's his whole game. He wants to bring the college game to the NFL, which other coaches have done. Look yeah. at the Rams. They're a high-flying offensive team. A lot of people take, took plays from Cliff Kingsbury from his college and introduced him into the NFL because Cliff Kingsbury, as he might not be a great college coach, he had some good offensive plays, and they've transitioned it into the NFL. It's just if Clint, Cliff Kingsbury can do it. But as David Johnson, I'm not taking him in the first round at all. That, that's my opinion. The difference when you see a college coach come to the NFL, like we saw Chip Kelly. And uh, Andy Reid has kind of perfected a lot of his college football to the NFL mentality. But when Chip Kelly brought it up, uh, they went 10-6 and six the first year with the Eagles, and they were really good. And then he never had another winning season in the NFL. And why is that? Well, because when you come to the NFL and you just try to run your college playbook, they figure it out. You have to be able to run NFL caliber offenses, not just college caliber offenses. And people are going to figure that out really quickly. I don't see Cliff Kingsbury being able to help David Johnson, like Tyler said, for more than a year at most. Maybe maybe they'll have a spark this year because even Chip Kelly had a spark his first year in Philadelphia. Maybe they'll have a one-year spark for fantasy football. It won't be more than that. Unless he learns how, how to adapt. Yeah, no, I agree completely with you, completely with you because his offense is similar to my playbook and Madden. The, the thing about David Johnson is, and I'm agreeing with Tyler on this one, I wouldn't draft him round one. I'm just not comfortable with that. That's amazing coming from the guy who's going to draft Todd Gurley number five overall. I, I really thought you would draft – Todd Gurley and then David Johnson, five and six. Well, Tyler, shut your mouth. But uh, here's the other thing. <laughs> every, every, all, every time I pull up David Johnson on Google, there's always something I see. There's always this question, is he a leader or not? And heck, no, he's not. Wow. Why, do you deserve, why, does he deserve, why does he deserve to be considered an elite running back? He put up 3.6 yards per carry. He's had one good season, one stellar season. Yes, I mean, yes, he was injured in 2017. But last year, it wasn't his fault. I know the line is atrocious. But like I said, there's nothing that they did to help that, that makes me feel more comfortable about that. I don't see his production going up. If anything, I see it going down a little bit. So, no, what? I don't see him as a round one running back whatsoever. I'm not touching him in the round one area. But round two, absolutely. I, I think he's definitely a RB2 for sure. Look, he had 258 carries last year and 50 receptions. So he touched the ball a lot. Now, we all know the reason why he ran the ball so many times. But uh, with those kind of stats, he has a bit of an inflation in points. I mean, he he has almost 1,000 yards. I think it's 900 yards. And he has 10 total touchdowns. So it's kind of hard to look at last year and say, well, that's what he's going to do this next coming season. The real problem I have is Kyler Murray – and their new coach going to change anything this year to where it will skyrocket David Johnson into the top five. Yeah. I mean, last year, last year was bad. I mean, so last year he had 76 total targets, which was 11th in running backs for receiving targets, which is where all the big fancy running backs make their money. Kamara, McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke. He was 11th for targets. 76 is what used to be his reception total when he was having his elite years, not his target total. Elite, yeah. I guess I'm not sold, like Jacob said, 
I guess I'm not sold on David Johnson because I'm not sold on anything that the Cardinals did around David Johnson. Kyler Murray, he he likes to run the ball himself. He doesn't like to dump off to running backs. Cliff Kingsbury sure. doesn't like running backs. I'm not sold on David Johnson, so maybe my own perception of one uh, round one pick nine is too high. Yeah. Yeah, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking uh, taking him in the first round might be a little high. The, the end of the first round, I, w- I could foresee. I just, I just think with the addition of a Kyler Murray, who, who is a run-first quarterback, you know, if he gets flushed out of the pocket, he's out, he's gone. He's not going to throw the ball away. He's not going to dump it off to the running back he's going to. Now, look, he's in the NFL now. Coaching is a little different, so they may coach it into him. Hey, first instinct is not, is not to bail. First instinct is to do your check down. Look at the running back. Look at everyone else. And then if there's no one open and you're flushed out of the pocket, then you can go. But he does have speed. He has a lot of speed. So in the passing game, it's going to be tough for David Johnson to get any looks because Kyler Murray knows he can run. Yeah, the question of talent with David is definitely – I mean, it, it, it's there. You know he's talented. It's just will the system – does the system help him out? And it does not at all. I mean, well, I would take Joe Mixon – above David Johnson at this point now. Sorry, so I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I think, of, I think we could all agree on the Joe Mixon pick over yeah, David Johnson. Jacob, when did you say you would take David Johnson to what? Probably er, yeah, early second round, probably somewhere around the 2-3, two, 2-4 two, range if he's there. Okay, I'm just – through our podcast, I'm just writing down uh, what you're going to take just so I can kind of get a team together. Right now we have Todd Gurley in the first and then David Johnson in the second. I, I can't wait to see who's in the third. Probably carry on Johnson or something like that. I, I just want to – running backs. That's the way <laughs> yeah. to go. Hey, since we're on the subject of carry on Johnson, since you brought it up, oh. I have high, high hopes for carry on this year. The one, thing, the one thing everyone's talking about, they're like, oh, hey, what about Theo Riddick? Theo Riddick might not make the team this year. All I'm looking at is C.J. Anderson. What's yeah. great about on Johnson is on Johnson at college, at Auburn. He caught the ball, he carried the ball, he did it all. So with, with this next upcoming season, Matt Patricia's already talking about we got to get the run game going, we got to get the run game going. I, I could see, see on Johnson really doing some damage this year, and he's, he's, a, he's a good pick in, the, in, the, in anybody's draft. This is yeah, not a topic, a good pick, by the way. He's, he's a good pick. He's a good RB2. Going, not, not the second round or anything. Crazy. No, he's a good RB2. He's a good he's a RB2. Guy. Right now, he's a flex guy. Last year, he only had 118 carries. That's got to go way up for people. It's going to go way up. It's going to go way up. So, are you saying CJ is going to be more of just like a like a third down no. going back? No, I think CJ and Kerryon Johnson are going to split, but it's going to be like a 75-25 split. It's not going to be a heavy split. They didn't bring CJ over there just to sit on the bench. CJ will get touches. But I think it's pretty clear Carryon Johnson is the guy over there. I just think I think since we're on Carryon Johnson, the great thing about Matt Ryan or Matt Ryan Matthew Stafford is that he loves to dump the There's ball nothing off. Nothing great about him. <laughs> he loves to dump the ball off to his running backs, and so I think Carryon Johnson could have a lot of touches this year, a lot of catches, and if they can get the run game going, he could really be successful. I could easily see him getting 300 total touches. Was it a mistake to bring up a Lions player, Tyler? 300 touches. Wow. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I think he's going to get – I think he's going to get 60-plus receptions this year. Wow. Really, yeah. And, and, if he can get, and if he can get a middle-of-the-pack amount of rushes, too, that's, that's going to be 
Did I say 300? I, I'm taking back 300. I don't know why I said 300 touches. Did you forget it was in your division? Yeah, it's a good division, but at the same time, um, you know, it, you can't always be put down by uh, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Packers don't really have a defense. You're going to be. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But carry on, Johnson, just for everyone listening, I think he's going to have a phenomenal season this year. I think he's really going to change the game, if you know what I mean. Let's, let's talk Juju. Okay, well, let's talk Juju. Guy had 111 receptions last year, 14, or 426 yards, wow, and seven touchdowns last year. Um, and that was with Antonio Brown. Uh, with that kind of statistics, I think uh, last year he had 166 targets, and Antonio Brown had 168 targets. So with Antonio gone, there's 168 targets out there, 168 catches, potential catches out there. And I don't really see anyone on that Steelers team who can compare to an Antonio Brown or a Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster had the fourth most targets in the league last year. With Antonio Brown gone, the way the Steelers are on, Juju Smith target will get – Juju Smith-Schuster, I should say, will get more targets than any other receiver in the entire league. I, I will agree with that. You know, what's great about where Juju's at – is not only did their number one receiver leave, who was also a top, top-tier running back or wide receiver in the league, but... Are number one? Yeah, but Roethlisberger had a 5,000-plus yard season last year, which only two quarterbacks did, Patrick Mahomes and Ben Roethlisberger. So that's a pretty good company to be in with Patrick Mahomes there at the top. What's great about Roethlisberger is he also had the most attempts out of all the quarterbacks and the most completions out of all the other quarterbacks. So that tells me that he's going to really, really try and hit Juju with the ball as much as possible. Yeah, I, I think that uh, this year it's going to be kind of one of those years that Big Ben is going to say, you know what, I didn't like that Antonio left. I didn't like that Le'Veon Bell left. So I'm going to give it to Juju, Antonio's replacement, and James Conner, Le'Veon Bell's replacement. I think he really wants to show those guys – what they're missing, and they shouldn't have ever left the team. So I think Juju is going to have a more of a breakout year than he's ever had. He's already had 2,000-yard seasons. So, I mean, I can only imagine what he's going to do this next year. That's false. That is false. What is false? 2,000-yard seasons. He two, was close for two 1,000-yard seasons. He hasn't put up two 1,000-yard seasons. Yes, he has. No, he, has, he, he put up 917 yards his rookie year. Oh, sorry, Jacob. I was a couple yards off. My bad. <laughs> well, I mean, wow. just want to be factual in this podcast. <laughs> oh, 83 man. yards, by the way. So, yeah, Juju is a guy I'm looking at who would possibly be a top three receiver this year. And he was, he was top ten last year. But with Antonio Brown gone, the amount of balls that Roethlisberger is going to throw his way is automatically going to put him in the conversation for a top three receiver. Oh, absolutely. The thing that I love, I mean, uh, I just love about Juju. I mean, his rookie year, he put up 58 eight receptions, 917 yards and seven touchdowns. And last year, 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns and 111 catches. That's all with Antonio Brown there. And he's only 22 years old. Well, yeah. And I, I think Juju, I, I think I mentioned it uh, when we were doing a, uh, a little talk about James Conner amongst ourselves that James Conner had all those touchdowns, but Juju Smith got tackled five times within only the, five times the whole five, season. <laughs> just wait for the stat, Timmy. Five times within the ten yard line. 
So he fell short, barely. That's five more touchdowns you could have added on last year. Of course, touchdowns aren't a thing that you can predict. Well, look, touchdowns, last year Antonio had double Juju's touchdowns. He had 14 or 15, and Juju had seven. If I'm looking at that, I'm saying there are seven to eight touchdowns left on the table and 168 targets. Somebody's going to pick that up, and, and Juju is the clear runner to take up and munch up as much stats as possible. You know, James Conner, the whole James Conner thing, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if James Conner is really going to be that bell cow and be the new Le'Veon Bell. I think it's going to be a little bit more split in that backfield. But Juju is the clear number one. And, I mean, he's definitely going to end his season off as a top 10 fantasy receiver this year. Yeah, I mentioned he's only 22. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You mentioned that. Yes, yes, you did. Well, <laughs> one a similarity that would get you excited about taking Juju Smith-Schuster in the first round. And earlier than you might think, the last guy with a similar situation we saw to this was Devontae Adams. And then Jordy Nelson left. And Devontae Adams became the number one overall receiver in PPR leagues last year. Juju Smith-Schuster has a real outside, outside shot to be the number one guy in the entire league this year with how many targets are on the board. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat out guys that are like staples in that on that list at the top there. But I think, top, uh, yeah. I think Juju yeah. definitely – he definitely has the potential with his situation to at very least be in the top two or three, which for fantasy, I mean, you know, that makes him, makes him the number one through three receiver in the draft. So. Okay. Okay. So I want to ask, does everybody take Michael Thomas ahead of Juju? No. I take Juju. I take Juju. Yeah. I take Juju. What about Devontae Adams? I take Adams. I take Juju. I mean, I'm taking Adams. So two Adams and Juju. Okay, what about Tyreek Hill? Because he's playing all 16 now. Well, that's Hill. That's actually the next topic. Is actually the young man got no suspension, which we don't need to talk about suspension because we're just a fantasy football conversation here. I think this translates to another Madden-like season for Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill is going to be playing without any suspension statistically he's still going to be a top five receiver so if I'm if I'm looking at between Juju and Tariq Hill you've got to go Tariq Hill because the difference is Patrick Mahomes you you got to jump on and and Tariq Hill is very 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 good at getting away from his defensive players Jacob what do you what do you think do you take Tariq Hill over Juju yeah I'm taking Tariq Hill over Juju he's put up better stats every year so far I continue to see that at least this year maybe not next year maybe my mind will change but there's one thing I wanted to ask you guys What's up? about this no suspension thing that I am shocked about still to this day. How does this affect Nicole Harmon's stats? In the first po- podcast, we had people talking about him, you know, with 800 yards this year. How yeah. much will this af- affect Nicole Look, Harmon? Uh, let, let, me, let me get in on here. Uh, first of all, I, I wanted to go back. I, I would take uh, Juju over Tariq. Uh, just because I don't think uh, that the case is closed. The NFL said they weren't suspending him as of right now, but if more information came out that he was more involved with his child uh, getting mm-hmm. injured, that yeah. it would be they would reopen the case. So that's that's the only reason that I'm a little bit skeptical to take Tariq Hill because I, I don't want to take him one one five one six and him be suspended for a couple games in the season. I would rather take Juju who can put up close to the same numbers as Tariq Hill. I don't think Tariq Hill's going for 2,000 yards. Well, so it's not, it's not a big gap. I would rather just take the guy that 
is going to put up similar numbers to Tariq Hill, and we know he's probably going to get be on the field well, all he, year. He could put up similar numbers to Tariq Hill, but we'll definitely know. I mean, it's not going to be it's not going to be week one or two when they say, "Oh, just kidding, you're suspended for two weeks." Well, no. I I don't know about that. Take the Ezekiel Elliott situation when he first got in the league. Yeah, but he they didn't, chose that. He chose. No, to, no, they they didn't suspend him all of his first year, but the second year they suspended him for something he did in college. I'm I I don't trust Roger Goodell. I'm just saying my opinion is I would rather take Juju, who's a sure thing to get on the field barring injury. You know, I agree. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a stat leader. But if Tariq Hill is indeed not suspended like they're saying, he is a stat leader. Oh, and oh yes. And he's going to be better than Juju at the end of the year, yeah. more than likely. Yeah, Tariq would, would be better than him. I'm just saying my personal, I would rather take Juju, especially if it's that first-round pick. I mean, if I'm later in the first round, I'm definitely risking it with Tariq Hill, but I'm not going to pick him with that 1-6, uh, 1-7 one, one, range. I don't think I'm taking a receiver at the 1-6 either. You aren't taking DeAndre Hopkins? At the 1-6? Mm, probably not. There's okay. six. There's okay. six. Well, with, with the whole Melvin. better than him there. Yeah, with the whole Melvin Gordon thing, he might he might run into the sixth round, and I might go receiver there. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, what, is there any updates on Melvin Gordon at all? No, Melvin Gordon is still demanding a trade if he doesn't get a new contract. Melvin Gordon, if he plays, is obviously top five or six running back. Is there any news that you guys have found? Because I haven't heard a, n- a new thing at all. No, I don't have any news. But uh, my prediction is Melvin Gordon will not get re-signed. He will either play the rest of this year or he won't play and he'll get dropped or traded. The owner, Dean Sepanos, however you say his name, he is a very cheap owner. He does not like paying You're a cheap people. owner, Tyler. He, he does not like paying people, especially not running backs. I, I think that they see, oh, look at this beautiful promised land in the 2020 draft class and all these great running backs. Mm-hmm. I think they say, hey, look, there are six more Melvin Gordons we have right whoa, there. Well, easy on the six more Melvin Gordons. Here's the thing. is not easy. We just talked about two backfields. You know, we just talked about the 49ers who have good running backs. They've got a lot of talent at running back. But there's no clear, hey, I'm, I'm the guy. It, not everybody can be like the Cowboys where you got a Zeke or like the Giants where there's a Saquon. Most of the NFL is these dual back, split back running backs. I, like, you look at Detroit. They got the split backs. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, you know, they had the split back. It worked out really good for them. If you look at most of the NFL, it's turning towards, and this is where the NFL is heading, is you have one guy who's a specialist who can pound it up the middle, and you have another guy who's your speed back and gets the ball out of the backfield. That's where the NFL is heading, is a split back look with specialists on the team. But as of now, Melvin Gordon is a number one running back. How valuable is a number one running back to an NFL team? We have to find out because so far it has not proven to be that valuable. You look at Le'Veon Bell, you look at uh, uh, DeMarco Murray, even back in the day with the Cowboys, it's proven to not be as valuable as maybe it was. The real problem with the contract lies with his injury history, which is what makes the situation a little dicey for Melvin Gordon fantasy owners his injury situation in the past could lead to a real holdout because the chargers don't really go big because no. they're a small market they're la now so i'll give them that but they're not acting like la yet i think you're i think you're right i'm worried as far as fantasy goes i'm worried that melvin's not going to get anything done this year and well, if he does it's going to be it's going to be too late 
I mean, we got we to give it at least a couple more weeks because the season is not starting for another month. We got to give it at least a couple more weeks before we really start putting the nails in the coffin. But it is definitely trending towards him not showing up this year and playing at all. I mean, they are one of the youngest teams in the NFL right now. I mean, they got to pay Bosa. They got to pay out the wazoo, guys. Can you all pay attention to what I'm saying to you? Yeah, we're listening. Go ahead. Okay. Tell the point. But uh, there's one thing I want to say about Melvin Gordon. My prediction with him, just because I want to believe this is true, I think he's going to have a holdout, mainly just so all the fantasy owners of Melvin Gordon, I'm talking to one of them named T- Timothy Burnett right there, I don't want you to have Melvin Gordon for the whole season. So that's my prediction with him. He's going to hold out the whole season. The His whole injury season. history doesn't make him deserve the contract over there in L.A. Well, so he, he's not a free agent after this year. So it's yeah. going to be either a trade or he plays. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, Philip Rivers is getting a little bit older. You know, he wants to win a Super Bowl now. I think that uh, the owner of the Chargers, Dean, I think that he would be looking if Melvin Gordon is going to hold out. I don't think they're going into the season with uh, Jackson and Eckler. I think they'll be looking on the free agent market. Uh, Jay Ajayi is still on there. He's a free agent. Uh, and then you have guys like Duke Johnson and a couple of these guys that want to be traded off their teams, I think that uh, the Chargers could very well get another running back from free agent or from trading to stay competitive for the Super Bowl this year without Melvin Gordon. Look out for Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians likes doing this type of stuff, and he does not like his running backs. Let's, let's kind of move to another running back situation that's kind of the same but kind of different because this guy's still in a rookie deal. Ezekiel Elliott has come out and said that he would uh, be skipping training camp if it came to it, that he's willing to do a holdout. Uh, I, now, if, if he does this and he doesn't play all this year, he's still under his rookie contract. And we still would have him for two more years. They have the extension they can sign, and then they have a franchise tag. So you still got Ezekiel Elliott for two more years. Uh, he really doesn't have a choice. Either he's playing for the Cowboys or he could get traded, and the Cowboys could get a lot back for him, I think. The Cowboys aren't trading, Zeke. Like, how, do you, how do you know that? Yeah, well, if we, if we look at the Cow... 25 years watching Jerry Jones. The Cowboys aren't trading Zeke. Well, Jerry Jones also got rid of DeMarco Murray when DeMarco it's Murray just came off of... Hold on. we had Des Bryant to sign. Well, yes, and guess who we have to sign this year? Amari Cooper. Byron Jones, they already signed DeMarcus. Have to, uh, they, have to, they have to sign Dak Prescott because I know they want to keep him over a running back. For sure. Yeah, uh, look, I, I don't think the Zeke stuff is really going to pan out this season. I think when his contract runs up, I think there might be serious talks about him playing somewhere else. But as far as fantasy goes this year, I'm not worried about Zeke nearly as much as I am about Melvin Gordon. I think Zeke's got less of an issue with him playing. Because um, if you know Jerry Jones, you'll know that he's going to want to make his players as happy as possible. So he's going to want to try and get some kind of deal worked out. He's going to want to make sure that Zeke is comfortable. Now, that brings back the whole point of how valuable is a running back nowadays. A running back like Zeke, you're talking about a top three running back. Not only fantasy, but in the league itself, in the NFL. So it all it brings back what, well, how, value, how valuable is a running back. Um, Fantasy-wise, I'm, I'm still holding Zeke in my, my top three in my draft boards. See much fall off or anything really serious coming out of this. 
you saw what the league value of it was. He didn't get anything from the Steelers, and then Le'Veon Bell went to the Jets and got about – well, it wasn't near as much as he wanted. No. Jets. Yeah. I so, mean, yeah, no, in, in Le'Veon Bell, you're talking about a number one running back at a, at a certain point. It's going to be interesting for fantasy owners in the future because one thing that's happening is fantasy owners – or running back fantasy running backs are trending down in age and they're, they're losing value. So we may in the next, I don't know, five or six seasons, we may actually end up having to draft all rookie running backs during a season just to see who's going to pan out, who's going to be the starter. I don't know. That's the way it's trending so far. Yeah. And to go back to a point that TJ said, the league's kind of trending to those split backfields. Now I know this is going to make Jacob mad because for some reason, He's a diehard, and he he loves Ezekiel Elliott with all of his heart. Who doesn't? But, but the Cowboys fan. But the Cowboys were smart enough to see this coming, and they drafted Mike Weber and Tony Pollard, two guys that have two totally different skill sets. Mike Weber, the ground and pound guy, and Tony Pollard is a catching running back like a Tavon Austin. I could see it being a Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen type of backfield, and they can produce close to the same numbers as one player in Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke's really good out of the backfield, so Pollard is not going to take a big part of that, I don't think. Pollard's going to get used. No, Pollard's going to get used. They didn't draft Pollard. Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Weber thing. He might not even make the team. Well, either way, they didn't draft two running backs in the draft for Zeke to get 385 touches or whatever it was. Jacob. And Justin Jackson is still on the team. Mike Weber is beating out Justin Jackson. Oh, I don't cares? know what you're talking about. But, Jacob, I don't, Jacob I don't think you see, see the point of what I'm saying. Is, is Ezekiel Elliott really has no ground to do this because the Cowboys showed no. him that, hey, we're willing to go out there and get two average running backs that are rookies to replace one player. We're willing to do that. And if Zeke, if he wants to hold out, well, that, that's on him. I, I think that they didn't the Cowboys draft him okay. before this all happened. They didn't draft him before this all happened. Yes, but yes, but if you heard what I said in the beginning, I think the Cowboys saw how the NFL is going. They saw Le'Veon Bell. They saw a Melvin Gordon type. They saw all these bigger running backs that are wanting to get money and are willing to hold out. Just for a fantasy's perspective, Zeke will have less touches this year. Just well, slightly. I still think he's going to end up as the top top five running back fantasy-wise, um, I still think he's going to get a lot of touches. It will be slightly less, um, but I still think he's getting a lot of touches. Well, that brings up a whole other point is with Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell and I guess now talks about Zeke. Does Do fantasy owners have to start being – if you're a dynasty owner, do you have to start being worried about your star running backs uh, when their contracts runs out? You have to be worried about, this, about the contract situation now too, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what you. This is trending to. I don't. I don't really think so. I don't see guys holding out like Bell did. Like the holdout thing goes back a while. Like Emmett Smith held out until the first two games of the season were done in 1993. This isn't a yeah. new deal. Like this holdout. But situation. 1993 is far different as far as the NFL goes to 2019. Yeah, I'm just saying the holdouts aren't new. So I. I don't see. No. The, no. No. I'm not saying holdouts. I'm saying the fact that. Le'Veon Bell is no longer playing for the Steelers. That's oh, what I'm talking about. I don't he's think he's the number one running back. I mean, don't shake it up. He's the number one running back. I mean, I get that, but sometimes they'll. It's going to be a wash because sometimes they'll go from a worse team to a better team, and sometimes they'll go from a better team like the Steelers to a worse team like the Jets. I think that, I, I understand that, but what I'm saying to you is, 
what if uh, – now, this is kind of a bad example, but not really. What if Ben Roethlisberger was going to hold out five years ago? You think they would have let him go? You know, it's, it's the same thing, you know. I, I just think with these top-tier running backs, I think everyone perceives that there's so many of them. And I think that the whole NFL is moving towards a dual-back system. And if they have a star running back, they're willing to let him run out their contracts. I was going to go back to the, to the Zeke thing here. Tyler, do you remember last year in the draft? We, we drafted a guy from Bama as a running back. Do you remember his name? No, please inform me. No, no, I don't even remember. Because that, that's what, what we do. We always draft a running back in the seventh round, and no one remembers who they are because no one cares. We got Zeke. The only guy this year that's going to take any touches away from Zeke is Tony Pollard. Well, now, I'm pretty sure the guy was Bo Scarborough and he went to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but anyways. No, we drafted him. We just let him go because who cares? Yes, I but, love Bo Scarborough. Yes, yes but uh, last year we also had more running backs on our roster. This year we, we had Zeke and Darius Jackson. That's all we had. So they had to get two running backs anyways. There's going to be three running backs on the roster. You you can you can believe it or not believe it, Jacob. That's how it's gonna. No, no, no. no there's gonna be three spots up there. Yeah, but yes. Ball, Zeke and Pollard. That's it. Yes, but my whole point and the whole point of the conversation was if Zeke holds out, uh, the Cowboys have two running backs that they looked into the future and they said, well, we're gonna take this Mike Weber guy who can run the ball, and we're gonna take got, this Tony Pollard guy who can catch the. I ball. have zero concerns that he's not gonna get his money. Zero. He's going to get paid. He's going to be a cowboy for at least upcoming next five years. That's my prediction for Zeke. The only, the only thing that worries me is the timing of the statement because Gordon started doing this a couple months ago. Zeke's thing is new, and we're right before training camp, and we're not that far away from preseason. So the timing worries me a little bit. Yeah, but I think even if uh, Zeke is sitting down for, the, for, the, for training camp and for, for preseason, I still think he's going to – like it, Zeke's the kind of running back that it, if he misses a few weeks, when he comes back, doesn't really matter. He's still going to play at the top level. So I think I think he's I think it's worrisome with these running backs and all these contracts and how they're letting guys go, letting Le'Veon Bell walk. I think I think the value of the running back has gone significantly down. So I think uh, you know for fantasy owners out there looking at dynasty league, you need to watch out. If you have a superstar running back, there's a good chance he may be leaving your team fairly soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the, that's the podcast. Uh, we've run out of topics. Unfortunately, we're going to move forward um, with some more podcasts. We're going to try and get one out every week. We hope you subscribe. We hope you listen and we appreciate you watching and listening to our pretty faces. And I would encourage you guys to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter is at fantasy underscore squads. That's an S at the end. And then on Instagram, it's fantasy squads. Wonderful. Uh, This is uh, Fantasy Squad Leader signing out, and uh, y'all have a wonderful day. See you next week.